So, today we're going to take a, a look at a passage of Scripture out of Matthew chapter 13. And I've entitled this message, How Does Your Garden Grow? You know, April and I have been um, in numerous places over the 31 plus years of marriage. Um, and there's something very interesting about my wife that if you don't know her yet, you'll find out this morning. And that is that April absolutely loves to garden. And so from the time we first got married in Georgia, it wasn't short after that first year of marriage that she said, let's plant a garden. And so we attempted to plant our first garden. Then the Lord moved us to South Carolina and we planted another garden. And then the Lord moved us to North Carolina and guess what we did? We planted another garden. And then back to South Carolina. Then back to Georgia. And then the Lord took us to Malaysia. And what do you think we did in Malaysia? We planted another garden because my wife loves to garden. Then the Lord took us to Alabama, and we planted another garden. And then the Lord took us to Indonesia. And on three different, in three different cities, two different islands, guess what we did? We planted a garden. So you can imagine that every single one of these places that we went, we had different kinds of soil, right? We had clay. And we had black rich soil. When we were in Alabama, we had sandy loam. You could not water that stuff near enough. And now guess where we are? We're in Wyoming. And guess what we did when we moved to our home up on Windy Ridge? We planted a garden. And guess what's under the soil in Wyoming? Rocks. So now we're planting a garden in rocks. I know that you guys have noticed all the beautiful landscaping that Griff uh, uh, Sprouts Nursery has given to us, and we really are thankful for that. And the other day when they were planting, I walked out and I said, Griff, what's the soil like? And he goes, it's not the best. I've seen better. And they were pulling rocks out, and one of the guys that was working along with Phoebe back there said, it's not the best, but it's not the worst. I've seen worse. And so uh, soil changes. But in the first part of the story I'm telling you, there are two things that have always been consistent. The first one is the planter. That's April. She's the sower. The second thing is, do you think that April was trying to plant rice in Alabama? No. You know what April likes to plant? The first plant she likes to plant is a big, juicy tomato. She loves tomatoes. So no matter where we've gone in the world, she's always attempted to plant tomato plants. The sower has been the same. The seed is always the same. April always plants the same things, except for this time when we came to Wyoming, she's changed up a little bit, and now we have rhubarb. And uh, we have some kind of a wild blueberry bush kind of thing. It's not a blueberry, but it's like a berry that grows here in Wyoming. And we have raspberries, and we have strawberries. And so I'm really thankful for the strawberries. Guess what we do have, though? Tomatoes. We still have tomatoes. And this morning as we uh, look at this story, uh, it's a story about a sower, seed, and soil. And as we look at Matthew chapter 13, verse, verses 1 through 20, 
we'll see a number of interesting things. Now, when Jesus uh, told this story, which is a parable, uh, it was a parable that he wanted everybody to hear. Um, And it was important because up to this point, uh, as we followed the life of Jesus, we've seen that he has had a message. And his message has been about the kingdom of God. And the message has been about him being the Messiah. And the message has not always been what the people of those days, and specifically the religious leaders and teachers, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and people such as that, uh, really wanted to hear. They wanted to hear that the Messiah was coming as uh, a soldier. And Jesus uh, told, told many parables, and a parable basically is a story of something that's very familiar with the people around them. And in those days, uh, a lot of people farmed, and they grew their own vegetables, and they grew their own props in small plots. And so Jesus, when he's telling this story, he, it says very clearly to us where he was. In Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 3, it reads, um, that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And a great crowd gathered about him, So he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, "What a a sower went out, and that's how he started. And so our setting here is by the Sea of Galilee, and this is in the series of Sermons by the Lake. And uh, there's a large crowd of people that have come. Now, some commentators would say that the crowd was so great it was pushing him back into the water. But I believe in my own heart that Jesus being who he, he was had a message. And this message and this story he was going to tell was a very, very pointed and important story. He was on the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee. And so he steps in a boat and they roll out a couple feet so the crowd's not pressing on him. And something interesting happens when you get on water. Have you ever noticed that someone can be way out in a boat and you can be sitting on the shore and they're not shouting or screaming, and they're just talking, and you could just about understand every single word they say. And Jesus pushed off, and he used that water as an amplifying system. That's what I believe, because he had such an important message he wanted to give to the people of that day. And so the message is this. He told a message about a sower. So let's look at that passage. Let's look at, uh, look at what Jesus said there. Now remember, all throughout this passage, there are two things that are in common. The sower and the seed. And it's important for us to realize who the sower was and what the seed is. And as we look at these verses, because they're in a parable, later on in the passage, the disciples ask Jesus, why did you teach in parables? And we'll, discuss, we'll, we'll, teach, we'll talk about that at the end of our, our message this morning. But he tells us there that the sower is the one who presents the message of the gospel. It would be the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The seed is always the same. The seed never changes. The seed is about Jesus Christ being the Messiah In our context today, the seed is about Jesus dying on the cross, three days later, resurrected, and then ascended to his Father in heaven. 
the story or the seed is the gospel message, the good news of the kingdom of God. The message of salvation, that's what the seed is. And the sower, you and I, were the sowers. Those of us who are, who are following Christ and presenting the message. So, verse 3, it says, And he told them many things in the parable, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And then he explains it in Matthew thirteen fifteen. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is, what was sown along the path. Now back in those days, when, they were, when, a, when a person would go out and sow the seed, he would reach into a bag and he would just scatter the seed. And he would walk along and scatter the seed. And many of the fields and were... Uh, were just open areas, and there were multiple fields around them, and they didn't necessarily walk around the edges. Sometimes the straightest path from one field to another was right through the middle of a, a, a farmer's field, and it was no big deal to walk right through the f- center of a farmer's field. And so that created a path, and that path was packed down, and it was never plowed, and it was hard ground. And the seed, it says, fell on that. And because it was hard ground... The birds came and snatched it away. Now, in Jewish times, birds often represented an evil thing or the evil one. And in this parable, the bird is the enemy of our soul, Satan coming and snatching away the seed. And Jesus, in his parable here, was talking about a path. And this path, he was referring to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, and the people who were there in the crowd who had an idea of what the Messiah was going to be like. And when the Messiah, Jesus, was teaching and telling them who he was, they would not receive it. And the seed was falling on the hard ground, and the enemy was coming and snatching it away. It's like being in a situation where you start talking to someone about what, who God is and what God's done for us or for yourself. And they go, I... I I don't want to hear anything about your God stuff. I'm done with that. I'm over with that. Don't talk to me about God. And the conversation moves on to something else. You planted the seed. The seed hit the hard ground. Was not ready. Could not receive it. It was snatched away. And that's what Jesus is talking about there. What was the same? on this situation. The sower was the same and the seed was the same. But what was different was the path. It was hard path. Let's read on. Matthew chapter 13, verse 5 through 6. 5 and 6. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up and since they had no depth of the soil but when the sun rose... They were scorched, and since they had no roots, they withered away. And then in Matthew chapter 13, 20 through 21, Jesus says, And so for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when the tribulations and the persecutions arise on account of the word, on account of the seed, Immediately he falls away. 
Every year, what I've noticed since I've been back in the States is, right after Christmas and just before New Year's, there are a number of different kind of advertisements that show up on the television. Often I see advertisements for gym membership. I see advertisements for the latest, greatest treadmill. I see advertisements for the best workout station center you've ever seen in your whole lives. And I've even heard of people in our own congregation, and I am guilty of it myself, of looking at it and going, New Year's. I'm going to make a New Year's revolution. And I'm going to take off these pounds that I started on in November, and then in December I finished up on, and January is coming around, and if, if I work hard enough, when, when summer comes and it's time to hit the lake, I will have a six-pack and not a keg. Um, and so I fall into this, and you get it going, and we join spinning class, and we're out there spinning, and we're talking and sweating and spinning and sweating. Week number one, week number two... We're still pumped. We're talking to everybody about, I'm in a spinning class. I just got a new gym I'm lifting. And by month number two, it's like, oh, God, I got to go to spinning class. I paid a cotton-picking membership, and I should have put it in the offering instead because I really don't feel like going. And then the weight set starts collecting dust because it starts to get hard. It starts to get hard. We start with joy, and it starts to get hard. And, and he says here, uh, other seed fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no de- depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no roots, they withered away. And in the interpretation, it says, for, And for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. This is the person that buys the gym memberships and gets all excited about it. And then it gets tough. And he says, they endure, but they only endure for a while. And when the tribulations and the persecutions arise on account of the message of Jesus Christ, immediately they fall away. People who They've made a profession. They've come to a service and their hearts have been emotionally challenged and they may have come forward and and bent their knee and said a little prayer and they were excited about this and then went back to work and their friends found out that they were followers of Jesus and they started to be persecuted and started to be mocked and maybe even shunned and pushed away and then they're like, wait a minute. I thought the the life of Jesus was going to be a life full of joy and happiness and financial fulfillment and pleasure and everything was going to be great. This isn't what I signed up for. And they walk away. Stop attending church. Drop off from the small group. Avoid people who were at church that they knew and they used to be in good relationship with the seed that fell on rocky ground, sprang up real quick. Hot sun came, boom, they're gone. What's the same? The sower's the same, and the seed is the same in this situation. 
And then Jesus moves on and he says in Matthew chapter 13, 7, as he's giving the parable, and other seed fell upon thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. And then his interpretation is in verse 22, and as for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Here we see a person who chooses to follow Jesus, but when the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches come, it chokes the message of the gospel of Jesus out. A couple chapters from chapter 13 verse, uh, in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22, Jesus gives a very pointed illustration of this. And in some of your Bibles, it will be entitled The Rich Young Ruler. And here we see Jesus being addressed by a young man who is obviously wealthy. But he's a good guy. He wants to follow Jesus. <clears throat> and he says to Jesus, what must I do to follow you? What must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, follow the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. And on and on and on. And this young man looks at Jesus, <clears throat> and I can just imagine him. He smiles, and he says, I've done it all. I do all that. I practice all of that. I go to church. I give my time. I attend every time the doors open. I do it all. That's me, God. That's me, Jesus. That's me. So now what? And Jesus says, go and sell all your riches, everything you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. And we're all familiar with the story. What does the guy do? He kind of puts his head down and he walks away. Because he doesn't want Jesus to truly be his God. He is relying on riches. And in this story, the seed is sown among the thorns, and the thorns grow up and choke out the good plant. And it says that it chokes it out, and it's unfruitful. It doesn't say that the plant dies, but it says that the plant is unfruitful. There's no fruit there. And it tells us why. Because of the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches. And it's so easy for me myself to let the cares of my life consume me and begin to choke out what God has for me. And it's easy for me to get my eyes off of God when my bills come in. And he's saying here very clearly that there are those who start out really well and the cares of life and the, uh, the, the deceitfulness of riches choke out and the plant is no longer fruitful. Our lives become busy. We stop reading God's Word. Our lives become busy and we stop attending the small group or Bible studies. Our lives become busy and full of all kinds of things and we stop attending church. And our eyes get onto money and more toys 
and more and more and more things of this world. And we begin to start trusting in our ability to generate wealth. And we get, begin to uh, uh, trust in our ability to provide for ourselves and stop looking to God as our provider. And we got to get the bigger and the better and the new and the more. And we become part of the me, myself, and I generation. The I generation. All about me and nothing about God. And we get choked out. We get choked out. This is a warning to us. Jesus is giving us a warning here. Guess what's the same? The sower is the same and the seed is the same. The sower is the presenter of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the seed is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus goes on forward, further and he says in Matthew chapter 13, another seed falls on good soil and produces again. It produces grain in some a hundredfold, in some sixty, in some thirty. And then in verse 23 it says, And as for what was grown in good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. And in some cases a hundredfold, and another sixty, and another thirty. And this is soil that's been, this is seed that landed on good soil. And I think I, I think I could look around and say that I'm looking at some good soil here today. And I'm looking at a place where the seed has fallen. And I can, I know some of you and I know the fruit you're bearing. The interesting thing about this is that he, he starts with 160 and then 30. He doesn't go, in Matthew, he doesn't go 30, 60, 100. But he starts 160 and 30. And it kind of indicates that it's not important whether it's a hundredfold or it's sixtyfold or it's thirtyfold. What's important, what Matthew is trying to get across and what his understanding of what Jesus is, is what is important is that it fell on good soil and it's fruitful. Yeah, this is the fruit of the Spirit, but in particular, this is more of fruitfulness and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever you go. This is that farmer walking along and scattering seed and scattering seed and scattering seed and scattering seed and some of the seed falls on hard pan dirt and they say, get out. I want nothing to do with your message. I see John 3.16 all over the Super Bowl. What in the world is that? I don't want to have anything to do with that. Sometimes the seed falls on ground and springs up and the guy gets all excited and pumped and wants to follow. Says, yeah, I want to follow. <sighs> Gone. Other times we scatter seed and the person makes a decision for Christ and really growing and moving along and get their eyes off of God and the cares of the world and riches choke them out. And then there's others. They get it. And they start growing, and they're reading the Word, and they're attending church, and they're doing one thing more. They're being fruitful. They're telling others about what Jesus has done for them. And they begin to sow, and they begin to sow, 
And so it's not, not so important about 100% or 60% or 30%. What's important is the sowing action, that we are the sowers and the seed is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Here again in this portion of the passage, two things are the same, always, the sower and the seed. You're going to get it before the end. We're going to be sower, seed, sower. In the middle of the verses, in Matthew chapter 13, 10 through 17, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him. And it says here, Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in the case of the prophecy of Isaiah, is fulfilled that saying. You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's hearts have grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely, with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for you see, and your ears, for you, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. And Jesus is referring to people in the Old Testament who understood that Jesus was going to come, and they understood who the real Messiah was. And he's saying, you know what, to the disciples there, you're a privileged. And he says to us, you're privileged because you know who Jesus really is. That the Messiah has come. He's died on the cross. He's risen again. And he brings salvation to all who would believe in him. He also talks about the people whose eyes don't see and their ears don't hear. And those are the people who are very purposely choosing not to receive the message of Jesus Christ. And this he was pointing very specifically to not only just the 12, but the others who are around him. Because part of that crowd wanted to, Jesus to be the Messiah who came as a king, who conquered the Roman Empire. But others of them began to understand that he was not coming as a ruling, reigning king on earth. But he was coming to rule and reign in the hearts of men and women to make a difference. And so he brings this all up and wraps it up. And Jesus explains this. And he tells us that there were people who were looking forward to that day. And we're looking forward to the day when Jesus comes. But we're the privileged who know who Jesus is. And there is a slight warning here. It says to who much is given, much more will be given. But there's other verses in the scripture that says to who much is given, much is required. And I think what the scripture is telling us is that you're good soil. 
You've received the message. Now be a sower and sow the seed of the kingdom of God. That's what God's calling us to do. It's not, the, it's not, not so important that it's 100% or 60% or 30%, but what's important is that we are fruitful and that we sow the seed. Just like in the parable Jesus told, the sower is the same and the seed is the same. The only difference is the soil. Just like in this story Jesus told, we do not choose where we scatter the seed. We scatter the seed everywhere. And the seed will land on hard path. It'll land on rocky path. It'll land in soil where the weeds will come up. And it'll land in good soil. What we need to do is we need to be about sowing the seed. We need to be obedient. And it's just not telling people about people who are close to us, but it's to our friends, our family, and even strangers. That's what God is calling us to do, is to sow the seed. So my challenge for us today is go out this week and sow seed wherever you go. Remember The sower is the same, and the seed is the same. You are the sowers, and the seed is the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word today. I would ask, Lord, that you would help us to be obedient sowers, You would help me, Lord, to be an obedient sower this week. Help me to be faithful to sow the seed wherever I am, in word and in deed. Help me to be a man that's full of grace and truth and loves all around me. Help us, Lord, to be people of grace seasoned with truth and loving everybody around us. Even the hard, pan, clay people who will not receive the gospel message, Lord, nowhere here do you say, turn your back and leave them. But you call us to continue to sow your seed. Lord, we acknowledge today that you're the one that causes the seed to grow. We have a responsibility because you've chosen us to be the sower. Help us to be faithful in sowing seed this week and through the remainder of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray.